enter if you dare this ghastly conversation of teens fraught with despair and recent lacerations. Final girl, chase after her, don't let her get away. But first, the slumber podcast massacre. Welcome to Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. That's Tim. That's Andy. And this is a podcast about horror. Every week, Tim and I get together over and over again. We talk about a different horror uh, film uh, from the horror genre, from your well-known classic down to that rare gem that just gave you a $500 bill at the back of your video store's <laughs> shelf. This week, Tim, it's a new miniseries. Woo! We're uh, cause we got the live show. We're doing misery, and we were like, "It's October." What does October remind you of? Fall, fall, yeah, and scary things like Stephen King. Yes. So since we're already doing misery, why not make a whole Fall King miniseries? So a, here it is, like a huge Fall King miniseries. We're talking about a big veiny Fall King miniseries. <laughs> yes. Well, veiny is usually what I go for in my miniseries. Yes. Yeah. So, this is uh, part one of the new Falking miniseries mm. from 1984. It's Firestarter. Tim, what's the most aggravating thing about having to record an episode? <laughs> um, you know what? It's I'll tell you. It's my disorganization. Uh-huh. Um, because I have... I should give some backstory on this yeah, uh, first. Yeah. Uh, with uh, also an apology. Okay. Uh, because uh, this is the second time we're recording this episode. Uh, probably if it, you, it shows up in your feed and it's Monday, I have we've literally just finished recording it and I've uploaded it. Um, but you, well, go oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, because, okay. So, yeah. Uh, lost the file. Um, it's okay. This is the apology part because I told you, Tim, I, I don't know what happened. I, I do know what happened. I was embarrassed. Because I came this morning, I was like, oh, shit, I didn't put the episode together. I got to get it out uh, for the maniacs who can't wait. Yes. Um, I came downstairs, opened the laptop, and the little notice came up, and it said, do you want to save this file before you close? And my mind, not mind you, I'd just woken up. Yeah. In my mind, I'm like, what? No, I don't want to close it. And I just click no, uh, which then... Oh, <laughs> yeah. Close it without saving the file. So here we are again. Well, you know what? Let me just say this. As listeners, dear listeners, this is not sloppy seconds here, okay? <laughs> am I right or am I wrong? There are some dishes that actually taste better the second day when you reheat it. Am oh, I, for am sure. I right? I mean, any, Absolutely. nearly any pizza. So yeah, so this is this is I mean maybe it's the second time around, but I okay, you want something to zip it about boop bow. I didn't say that the first time. No, this is all new. Brand fucking new. Hot off the griddle. Yeah. You never had it so good. No. Now what's funny is uh I didn't have a question ready for you. The last time we did it, I had forgotten to write one down. And oh, yeah. I still did not prepare one. <laughs> So it is. What's the most frustrating thing of having to do an episode again? Because well, this has happened to us a couple times. Okay. Yeah. No, I'll tell you this. 
it is only to have to do it again. The only frustrating thing would be, and this has happened. There have been some episodes that we've done where I'm like, holy shit, lightning in a bottle, like a bit that because we don't really pre-write anything other than taking some basic notes on the movie. Sometimes when there's a really nice comedic bit that comes out of nowhere to try and recreate that specific bit that I won't do that. I won't do. I mean, I will, I, this is all going to be brand new. So if we, in answer to your question, if we had recorded something and it was just pure gold (laughs) that I would like lament the loss of those moments. But while I think the first go around of this, I think it was, from what I remember, it was a good show. Yeah. Um, But uh, I, you know, you can always do better and it's another (laughs) opportunity to, to hit this movie that I love one more time. And uh, I don't even care if it's one. I, what do you want? You you want uh you want Baker's dozen? I could dump this and we could do it again. Absolutely, we could start again right now. What do you want? A couple, two, three fire starters. <laughs> Come and get it. Let's just this, stick to the one. Yeah, no, this we, we're, we're as scrapping. Uh, as uh, Hollywood has shown, one fire starter is enough. No, we, yes, well that's true. <laughs> no, we are scrapping uh, this, folks. This is the end of Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. It is now. Firestarter podcast, Firestarter with Firestarter and Firestarter. That's <laughs> get used to it. Yeah. I'm going to groundhog this day till death. The podcast just got a lot hotter. <laughs> but, uh, but you asked me a question and I yeah. put it up to you. You can ask me the same question or a different question. I don't, I don't, I know you said you're not going to repeat a bit, but was it a bit? Is the question a bit? It, I don't think so. I don't think okay, so. Great. So the, the question was, we were talking and, and you were right to have said, and I promise we're, I'm going to make myself not say like, well, well, we talked about it this before. This is brand new. This is fresh except for this part. So um, <laughs> I had asked you about a power that you would choose. Oh, right. Okay. And we kind of, we had, you had mentioned that we had talked about it before and I do think you're right. Um, but I, at first I tried to say, you know, between DC, between Marvel and uh, through the midst of all of that, you came out with something that I think a lot of people would kind of scratch their heads at a little bit with, as far as an answer with my DC uh, pick. Yeah. Yeah. With it being Batman, yes, yeah, yeah. His superpower is his intellect. Some people and he literally that by himself. Some people right now are drive like just <laughs> angrily pulling into a parking lot in their car right now to scream <laughs> at the stereo, thinking that you don't know that he doesn't actually have any powers. But what you're saying is that his intellect is in fact a power. Yeah, he's the world's greatest detective. Yeah, I mean. What do detectives do? They solve crime. You'd lose your car keys on purpose if you were that smart. Right. It'd take you 30 seconds. Find them right away. Right. Yeah. That's just, that's fucking old hat to Batman. Yeah. How improved my life could be if I was just a little, as, as organized as Batman. Oh God. Organization. That is not yeah. my strong suit. No, I, I think that's cool. That I mean, Hey, he's, he's probably the best physical fighter on the planet. That's human. Um, and wasn't it, um, I, somewhere along the line, I don't know if it was Batman in the, the comics or I'm sorry, Superman in the comics or in the movie, but somewhere along the way, didn't Superman say that he's unequivocally the toughest human that he's ever fought? Uh, I don't know. Maybe probably so. he's gotta be. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't have any problem with Batman and I, I mean, think Batman, he's cool. Smart guy. He's the first one who was like, 
We need to like. What if Superman goes like nuts? Yeah, we need to find ways to stop Superman. Right. Which is a legit thing you need to do. Here's the real fun question. Do you think, now, if he's doing his job right, we wouldn't know that he's doing this. But do you think, he or she, do you think anybody out there is like a bajillionaire and like young and fit and they're like, I'm just going to make myself a superhero? Oh, I've got the money for the best training, the best education, the best everything. And I'm going to like try to be a secret hero. They may be missing a very key component. And I guess this is the part. You know, you got to take the good with the bad. Right. Dead parents. Yeah. Very important that, that your parents are murdered in front of you. That's true. Well, then, yeah. I mean, maybe that's what the Menendez brothers were after the whole <laughs> <Right>. time. <laughs> They're just trying to be Batman. Yeah, we can be Batman and Robin. <laughs> yeah, right. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah, but who gets to be Batman, though? I mean, well, that's, they trade that's a, off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, they, yeah, they're twins, aren't they? they just, yeah, yeah, they work together. Yeah. Yeah. It would be kind of lame if you killed your parents to become the wonder twins though. <laughs> oh, like that's man. just, that's hardly worth it. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but anyhow, no, I think that Batman is cool. Look, I mean, uh, uh, the, the, the facts are what we're actually saying out loud, which is one of the most popular superheroes of all time is somebody that has no superpowers. Right. As they're by definition. So that's got to be one of the coolest characters ever created. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, it's definitely, I mean, in my opinion, DC's strongest character. Do you have DC's like weakest character? Weak, like, like just like shittiest. Lamest? I don't really know a lot of DC that well. Uh, man. Who is lame? I don't know. There are. There's always ones out there that you've never heard of, like yeah, Map Hawk Man or something. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's some like real bottom of the barrel guys. Ones. Uh, yeah. Plastic Man. I'm sure there was He's some like a, guy. Stupid Reed Richards. So once they got to be so popular, there's probably some dude with a deadline by 8 a.m. and he's sitting at his desk and it's 7:45 and he's just like scrambling. Yeah, I made Desk Man. Yeah, the sharpener. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of badass, um, but no, I, uh, I, I, I'm with you on that. Um, I've always said I like I it, it I like my superheroes in the same ways that I like my intoxication, which is kind of down to frequent. Earth. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Bam! Singer got him. Um, <laughs> but no, like um, uh, it, it's it's something that um. That I think is it's cooler. Like if somebody just has so much power that they can do anything they want whenever they want and nobody like holds a candle to them, that's not that cool. But like Wolverine, granted, you know, there's the whole like invincibility, but like, I mean, he's got those heightened senses. He's got yeah. the claws, yeah. you know, he's got the the fighting, the regeneration like that all seems like semi reasonable. Yeah. I'm not saying anybody has those powers or ever will, but it seems like. You could wrap your mind around it. Speaking of Wolverine, you know the big buzz this week? What's that? Did you hear the news? No. Oh, Tim. Guess who's coming back? Wolverine? Wolverine. And who's playing him? Um, Fucking Hugh Jackman. Really? In Deadpool 3. Really? Yeah. It was a great oh that dude. You the, see the I trailer. know there's the war between like the just the yeah, jousting yeah, yeah. back and forth. The the trailer's great because it's really just like uh Ryan Reynolds just like in his house and with all his other product placement, you know, he's drinking aviator gin and all the other shit he does. Yeah. But he's just talking about how 
how hard it is to come up with like good stuff for the new movie, but he's promising like they have been working very hard, you know, and he's just sitting on a couch. He's like, I do. We did have like one idea and like a guy out of focus is just walking behind him. He's like, Hey, Hugh, you want to play Wolverine one more time? (laughs) He's just going up the stairs. He's like, yeah. All right, Ryan. (laughs) Ryan. Cock. Yeah. And then the whole logo, with the claw slash through it. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I like, and you know, the, the, the internet is a buzz with the possibilities. So already everyone will be let down by this movie. Uh, but you know, just the possibility of going as stupid as they can and putting him in the, like the bright yellow suit. Oh with the yeah. Winged that might be cap. fun. Oh yeah. That'll be a lot of yeah. fun because they finished it in a serious way with, with Logan. The, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to have this will take place canonically in quotes. However, once you're now merging studios together, will take place before Logan. So they're like, Logan still happens. But after this, got something like, okay, the big, the, the, the they're not the best uh, rumor I've heard or best uh, uh, hot take is that the whole movie will be about like the death of like the Fox like X-Men universe. Got it. Okay. Right. <laughs> and then All like right. Deadpool's the only guy who survert survives as he jumps into the MCU. Okay. That's the big, that's I just not the big, I saw one person say that and I was like, that's a pretty cool fucking idea. So, and maybe again, everyone maybe, is ready to be disappointed. Uh, I'm sure that Hugh Jackman isn't disappointed though, <laughs> as no. much as he was his post Wolverine career. So he's probably more than happy to do it. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, the guy's fine. I mean, he's Hugh Jackman. He's people will like him in anything, but yeah, um, yeah I'm sure he's Check really happy. Prisoners. Prisoners. Ooh, yeah. That one's rough. rough That's the out. one I had said I watched on a plane. Yeah. I took a, I took a, a heroic dose of uh, cannabis gummies on an airplane and then watch Prisoners, a movie so intense, I had to stop it because I was afraid. I got paranoid that I was going to have a heart attack. Are you serious? Watching the movie, I couldn't bring my pulse down. Oh, my God. And it's God. like every 10 minutes is a new, just insane, intense scene. And like there at one point, like Nancy got up to go to the bathroom and I paused it. And then I looked down and I'm like, I'm only like 35 minutes into this. And I was already like, I can't, I can't handle this. <laughs> so I had to pause it and watch something else for a while. Did you finish it off? I did. I did. Is it actually a good movie? It's very good. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'd never, I don't know if I've ever even heard of it. Oh man. Prisoners. Yeah. It's about okay. a guy whose daughter gets abducted. Can't find her. And then he like suspects this guy did it. And so he like kidnaps him and like tortures him. For Does he have a unique info. skill set? <laughs> no, that he uses. No, he does no, not. No. That's kind of part of the movie. Okay, he's kind of going by the seat of his pants. Here, okay, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Dano is in it. Okay. Uh, Terrence Howard. Thankfully, not talking about math. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. I remember, yeah, that's good. Hugh Jack. Anyway, Wolverine. Yeah, I and you know, and like it, we just said that we weren't going to like, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, recreate bits from from the first time around. But I do remember mentioning my penis surgery, um, and that, right? Yeah, and it, and we don't even have to recreate the bit. But what I'm excited about was it wasn't a bit. It was penis reduction surgery. Well, yeah, correct? I mean, yeah, I figured that goes without saying. Yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I just. 
I didn't think that was a bit. We yeah. Well, the, it, what was what was odd about the penis was that it, it had a it, it was of such a size that it had a knuckle, and so they just took it off below the knuckle. Um, but uh, but and when I was recovering from that, um, I was uh, in my hospital room. I was in second grade, and somebody brought me a toy, and we could not remember the name of it. Oh yeah. The vinyl, yes, vinyl figures that you could like peel off the side and then put on a like kind of like panoramic background. Yes, and they're called color, color forms. forms. Is that it? Yeah, yeah, color forms. And I and we were yeah kind of talking about like how easily amused we were because because you're talking about like peeling something and then sticking it so that it's firmly placed on that backdrop. There's not a lot of action. Like you're not like like running guys into each other no, and smashing no. them up. You're just sort of like creating a still picture and then just like sitting back and enjoying yeah, it. But yeah, you can tell a story through that though. Yeah, you might pick it up and move it over a little bit. Yeah, sure. okay, okay. Like, well, get you, Spider Man. Not up, not from up here. <laughs> can you just imagine the sheer cackling laughter of whoever created that game and the money that just poured <laughs> in for such little effort? Yeah. And, well, but it only poured in for like two years. Well, that's true. Yeah, there's not a lot of it's not a real hot item right no. now. No, I wonder if because, uh, man, there were a lot of different like a lot of not, now as an adult knowing about licensing. Sure. Like they went over the moon with their licensing. Well, they must have. And did anybody even I mean, they had to have cared. They had to have had the licensing even back then. You, like yeah. if you're Hasbro or whatever, you still had to reach out to you know, DC or, or whatever it might have yeah. been. Okay. Yeah. But then again, Colorful. it's like, yeah, but you know, somebody at that point is probably like, Hey, these guys will be happy to take whatever pittance we give them because <laughs> what the hell kind of money do comic book companies Yeah, make? That's very true. Back be in a little the day, they now. were like, oh, you would like to make <laughs> my, my character into a stationary vinyl sticker. This is as good as it's ever going to get. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's cool though. Oh, and also, I, my Marvel one was uh, Magneto. Oh yeah, right. You, just, you know, you can stop bullets. That's the what a great. Really, I mean, that's all that matters. Yeah, that's I mean, really well, not and only. You can fly. You can fly, and if you're in a shooting situation, you can you can be a good guy and be like good guy without a gun. Got it done. Yeah, good guy with you know metal manipulation power. But hey, that goes for knives too. Exactly. Knives, guns. What else are you worried about? Nunchucks? Right. I'm worried about John Malkovich in, in the line of fire, and that's about it. Yeah. But he right. still had to use metal bullets. Sure. He had a wooden gun. Did you see that movie? You're I saying did. sure, like you don't know no, what you're talking I actually, about. No, okay. I actually love that movie. It's a great movie. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, no, that I think Magneto is... But how does he fly again? What is what is he manipulating that makes uh, him A magnetic fly? field. Okay. That is around us constantly. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that. There you know, are... I think it's a loose rule that they were like, ah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Why not? I'll believe it when I see yeah. it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I, uh, I think that those are great powers. I, I don't know. So part of me, like, maybe I've talked about this before. Part of me, like, is just, I really hold comic book readers in high esteem because frankly, maybe it was ADD or whatever it was. I literally couldn't follow. Like, I didn't know where to read on a comic book page. Right. Like, I just didn't know how to follow the action. Yeah. And it was, yeah, I unless was, it's a nice, like, six square panels. Yeah. When they start getting creative, like, well, we're going to have one really long one here. Yeah. 
and then three small ones kind of intertwined with each other. Yeah. And then you're just like, what? Yeah. Where? And then like dialogue boxes will be out of other windows into other windows. Right. And then I was kind of like, I could just watch TV (laughs) and it's so much easier. But I think I feel like I missed out, though. Yeah, um, I like I like comic books. I had a short flirtation. This is not really a comic movie. How, how do we get on comics every time? Um, superpowers. Powers. Yeah, superpowers. superpowers. But, it, but and we can and we're going to talk about one thing that is going to be fresh and new that I think we should have spent a little bit more time on is just like the power of the power of pyrokinesis. Right. So and how really if you really break it down, what a badass power that is. Sure. I'll just say it right now. Think There's another it. one. I think you could probably, if you learn to manipulate it enough, you could also fly by using, like, heating the air around you, using that to raise you. Ooh. You may have to have build some sort of apparatus that works with it. You might not just be able to do it with your human body. Well, and how much cooler would you look than Magneto? You've just got flames bursting around you right. somewhere. That yeah. would be awesome. Yeah. But it is a great power because think about it. Like... Even if you like nobody wants to get burned ever, but you could even have somebody that like shoots knives out of their hands, but that's not even that big of a deal because secretly deep down, let's face it. We all kind of want to get stabbed once, don't we? Don't, doesn't everybody sort of feel like it might not hurt as bad as we might think that it yeah. would hurt? You hear about people surviving stabbings a lot. Sure. So, you know, that's sounds- one time in a non-vital hit me. Yeah, let me just try it. I mean, look, it's it's probably maybe it's like the eighth worst thing that ever happened to you. Like barely cracked the top ten. Right. I've had pleurisy, so I feel like I've been stabbed. So ever, it would be like nothing. You ever been in a hurry and caught your dick in your zipper? Uh, I'll take I'll take a machete yeah, I mean, to the yeah. glutes any day. Slide it in. Wiggle <laughs> the handle around. Give me something to remember you by, other than catching your dick. In your zipper. Uh, Most you know, of us wear underwear, though, so we well, don't. Well, that's true. Yeah, I should easy to avoid. I should have learned my lesson. <laughs> yeah, you got to really, like, I learned how to just kick my butt back, like, <laughs> pop my ass out when I zip my zipper. That's how you do it. <laughs> yeah, oh, you got to back it up. Um, but, yeah, so it is a badass power, and it's even more badass that it is a cute, impossibly cute little girl that is just burning the fuck out of everybody. Yeah. God bless her. Let's get into it. Okay. Uh, so this is Firestarter from 1984. It was written by Stanley Mann, directed by Mark L. Lester. It stars Drew Barrymore, David Keith, and Martin Sheen. Had a budget of 12 million, box office of 18 million. Pretty tepid, but I yeah. guess it was you know made a profit. Uh, let's do Nansum and get in some spoilers. Andy and Vicky McGee are a loving couple trying to live a normal life while raising their daughter, Charlie. At least as normal a life can be when uh, the both of you are telepaths and your daughter, Charlie, has the ability to psychically start fires. Of course, they are targeted by The Shop, a shady and secret government organization that has run tests on the couple in the past. Eventually, they are found and Vicky is killed in the attempt to abduct Charlie. And Andy and his daughter continue to run until they're finally captured by John Rainbird, a true and honest-to-goodness Native American. <laughs> now, Andy and Charlie must undergo tests at the shop in hopes to ever see each other again. Andy uses his ability to devise an escape, but John Rainbird is determined to kill them both, and he better not fail, or the entire facility will feel the wrath of the Firestarter. Hi, hi, hi! Uh, you know, look, there is there is nothing, nothing funny <clears throat> about um, 
abusing anybody or or molesting anyone. But if you <laughs> I remember were, this from the first time. <laughs> if you were a molester, Mark Lester is the name you would want to have yeah. just for the news reports. Molester, Mark Lester <laughs> was found at a Best Western in Rochester. His children grown an empty nester. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I might have thought of that on the way over. Kill me. Crucify me. Yeah. No, the children are grown. He's an empty nester. Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, feel free to shoot out other yeah, you know, rhymes as we come along. I hope he goes to jail and festers. <laughs> yes. But <laughs> Mark. That molester festers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well done. Well done. <laughs> All that improv training, baby. Thank you. All boiled down to this. Um, Give him this gesture. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Come on. No, you're doing great. You're doing great. Um, so Mark Lester uh, directed Commando, and we could just end this episode right now because mm. Commando rules that Yeah. Look, can we talk hard. about Commando? I've already talked about Firestarter. Yeah. Commando, <laughs> I don't know what it is about Commando that makes it so awesome and watchable, but we've sat here a million times and talked about like hangover movies, like laying on the couch on a Sunday morning, whatever. But I mean, is there any more watchable of an action movie than Commando, for yeah. God's sake? Especially when they throw... <laughs> And I think I've talked about this before, too, but I'm sorry to her because I thought her name was Ray Dong Chong for 35 years. But it's Ray Dawn Chong. Oh, you thought it was Dong Chong. Yeah, I thought it was Ray Dong Chong. And so that's (laughs) my fault. Um, Turns out I had bad hearing all along. I just had no idea. But um, yeah, and she's great. Arnold is like perfect in it. Like he's just wouldn't wouldn't you say we talked about this a little bit, but wouldn't you say that that's. It it certainly wasn't whether it was his first starring role or not d- doesn't matter, but it was kind of the first one where he was really leading a movie, yeah, and it felt like this guy can carry a movie, yeah. It was like, let's make this guy a star, yeah. We'll see if he can do it. Have you ever watched many interviews with him, like even when he's younger? Yeah, it's a super fucking smart dude. Well, yeah, super smart and super clever to bordering on manipulative. Yeah. Like, like he if you see him in Pumping Iron, the dude's 26 years old and he is just like filled with such like <clears throat> a confidence and a wisdom and a craftiness like he's super impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because the caricature of him became this like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, right. blah, blah, blah. You know, guys who don't know how to construct sentences that's how they do their schwarzenegger just right uh or from what you're doing like apparently there are movements either but yeah like it's yeah senses and our movements they move like robots and they speak in sentence fragments but yeah that's you're right he was painted as like a dumb guy yeah and that's totally inaccurate um and a really really an awesome movie Mark Lester did that, and that would have been I'm just off the top of our heads. That's I mean, what, Mark Lester made him a star. Let's just say it. Yeah. He wouldn't have been a star without that movie. I, no, absolutely not. I don't think so. Um, I know that, you know, Bester isn't a word. It's probably better. But if it, if there was one, it, Mark Lester made him Bester. And, and, um, and that movie came out, what, 87? Uh, 86, no, before that. It had to have been. Because this, right? this was 84. Yeah. Oh, so did after, Commando after this? It had to be. It oh. had to be. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, yeah, Mark Lester. So a little bit of the background on directors of this movie. 
the 85. 85 oh god wow okay um man kind of an upgrade right like in his directorial style we'll talk about that in this you know specifically about this movie yeah. but commando's pretty polished uh yeah um so yeah i mean he learned a lot it from doesn't look like a tv movie i'll say that <laughs> Right, which this at times, yeah, this at times looks like a TV movie until the very end. But what might have made it better, God love Mark, but uh, originally this had just a hack of a director attached to it that they just couldn't wait to get rid of, and that was a guy by the name of John Carpenter. Oh. Now that's not; these aren't my words. These are the the actions of the powers that be that were producing this movie which after the performance of The Thing, which a lot was writing on that. In fact, it was like a whole like regeneration of old classic horror movies that they were going to invest in. The Thing did poorly at the box office, so they were like, get Carpenter the fuck out of here. That guy's just dead weight. Yeah. Just ridiculous. Did I you see who he cast in it? Kurt Russell, the Disney guy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like that guy's going to have a long career. I mean, his <laughs> days are numbered. Um but yeah, no. So he's got he's got this great movie that is now I, I don't I'm not going to say it's on the Mount Rushmore of horror films, the thing, but it's super revered. Yeah. And um, but because it performed so poorly, they kicked out John Carpenter and they bring on Mark Lester and Mark Lester hires a guy to write a script that is a different script than what Carpenter was going to do, which Stephen King approved of. Again, red flag there. Uh, he's not not a real great judge of of scripts, movie scripts, especially when he writes them. He himself. writes them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. So, um, so Carpenter's out. Lester is in, and then they bring in another writer, and he at that point they there was always already some frustration with like let's just get this thing going, and because uh, they felt like they were sitting on a pile of money, they just had to get it started. So. What Dino De Laurentiis, who was now producing it, said, like, he's like, we paid a million dollars for this book. Yeah. Why don't we just use it? Why don't we just write the goddamn book? Like, you don't have to think about it. Just write it. And that's what they did. Now, here's the only problem. And you could speak to this being the avid reader of Stephen King that you are. But even if you took all of the plot points from a Stephen King book, you're still going to be missing what makes it a Stephen King book. Yeah. Because it's all the other stuff, right? It's not the plot progression. Uh, yeah. He's got some neat ideas. Yeah. But it's it's those weird internal monologues that his characters have. Yeah. And he has weird he uh, has weird descriptors too. Uh I mean thankfully in this one it's early enough to where I think he just started I know I've talked about like 50s doo-wop characters always have some sort of like weird phrase they have or yeah. a song that is always playing or like a certain lyric they always say. Like none of that in this. Yeah, which no. Which is great. This is and, before he just got into that well, safe yeah, space. And we, we talk about um, whether or not – I mean I, I read an article that just flat out said that Stephen King is not a horror writer. And that and if you really think about it, yeah, it's way more sci fi than it is horror. Yeah. He himself said he's like, I've written three horror books. Um, I think they were The Shining. Yeah. And Salem's Lot. Uh huh. And I don't know what the third one was. Needful maybe, things? Maybe. Maybe. Needful things is pretty horror. 
But other than that, it's like, you know, Carrie is kind of sci-fi. This is kind of sci-fi. Yeah. Um, you know, Pet Cemetery is, I think, horror, but it's yeah, really more it's, it's it's really mystic though. Um I guess what I guess what what probably needs to be said is he doesn't write a lot of like, I'm just gonna slash him up, cut him up with oh, a chainsaw right. and a hatchet. You know, right. like that's not his thing. But um we did talk about and, and should mention that Stephen King was with Doubleday. And when this movie came out or when this book was written, he was already a star. Like, I don't know the lineup of his books, but people knew who Stephen King was when he wrote Firestarter. Yeah. Um, But it was only because he had switched from Doubleday to another. uh, I don't Nobody's ever even heard of it before. I could literally make up the name and people would be like, oh, yeah, that's it. (laughs) Uh, NAL, which is New American Library, is where he switched over to. And they're like, we love this guy. Like, we've been waiting for you. We read Salem's Lot. That was badass. And uh, the folks at Doubleday, like, literally the executives couldn't remember his name even. Like, his rep there had to constantly introduce him to the people who's, like, Christmas bonuses he was bankrolling. Yeah. You know, and also how do you meet that guy and forget him? Yeah. Like she's <laughs> I mean, he's a little he's, regardless of what he's doing <laughs> right. for your company, maybe one of the oddest people you've ever met in your life. Yeah, because he he's got a unique look and he's got sort of an unsettling presence. Yeah. Not and and it's almost because he's trying to be creepy but being really awkward <laughs> about it at the same time. Right. You would remember him. You'd be like, Yeah, that fucking axe killer that we right. have writing for us. Um, but oh, he's our horror writer. Makes sense. (laughs) Like, yeah, the easiest thing to remember. Exactly. And his lip. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) but anyhow, well, maybe he had the mustache at the time, but (laughs) anyway, so Stephen King is, is, you know, cranks this one out. This was, he's feeling comfortable. He's in his mansion. I, I do remember you could give me the pronunciation. I, I, I think you were going local with it with banga. Bang a man. Head on up to bang a man. Yeah, right. Have a good old time, yeah. So he's up there in his mansion with yep. his Coors Light and his cocaine. And uh, he's just cranking <laughs> yeah, cocaine up there, bang a man. <laughs> that's that's kind that's of very, insane. Yeah, they got cocaine up there, bang a man. <laughs> yeah, they got insane cocaine. <laughs> it's now it's sounding more like they don't Latino. even need Rogue. Yeah, they got the cocaine up there, bang a man. <laughs> Yeah, not quite that, um, but uh, yeah, it's East Banger, Maine. But um, so <laughs> sorry. Uh, but anyhow, um, well, he's we're up never going to get on Saturday Night Live now. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> so um, he's up there. He's writing. He's he's really ready to go. And he's kind of watching his daughter, who's like 10 years old. He's thinking about. Her and her sort of making that transition from childhood to womanhood. He's also kind of like fascinated by some of these characters that he's created now and thinking about like the sort of extended universe of that. Like what would Carrie White be like as a mother and would she pass on those powers to her child? So that's where he starts thinking about not just adults suffering with these things and dealing with these problems. But what if it's a kid? Yeah. So he writes this book, which I think makes it that much cooler. I mean, look, they, that, that fire starter sequel, which is abysmal. Wait, um, it's a sequel. Oh, I'm no. sorry. Not sequel remake. Okay. Reboot. However you want to put it. Yeah. Garbage. 
Um, it, it, the 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 actress, you know, still comes across as like a young woman. What do they change in it? Like, what are the big changes? Oh, uh, John Rainbird is a good guy. Okay. Um, also that it opens differently too. Like you get to see her as a baby and like, she's lighting shit on fire in her crib. <laughs> yeah. Which I mean, I'm sure was a pain in the ass, oh, but, yeah. um, what else is there? She's Oh, like at the end when she burns everything down, it's because her dad pushes her to do it. Like uses oh, his power to do it. Geez. Yeah. It's just all fucked up. And the whole thing comes across as like a slick, like muted color, low lit, series of like nice cool looking vignettes instead of an actual like how about you just turn the fucking lights on uh-huh. and let the actress play a scene out yeah instead of like these cuts and these movements and it's just it's garbage it's hardly a movie yeah i have not i've, I've not heard oh. a good thing every like i'm a i'm obsessed with tiktok now i see a lot of like movie tiktoks and every single like horror one i come across it like rates like here are the best horror movies of the year. The news fire starter always last. Yeah. Always. <laughs> right. With and, a don't waste your time on this. Yes. And don't really don't. Um, I mean, it's, it's an embarrassment. And the thing is, I kind of like the whole Zac Efron choice. Like, I think he's an interesting guy. Anybody that sort of pulls themselves out of where they start from and how quickly he could have had just a flame out career. Like yeah. so many, you know, teenage people have like, I'm I'm pulling for the guy, yeah. you know, but not in that movie. Um, so yeah, don't waste your time with that. Um, this movie, however, uh, didn't need any Zac Efron's because it's got a cast that'll blow your goddamn mind. Yeah, I mean, for starters, um, oh my god, I can't think. Of, uh, Heather Locklear. Yes, they were like, we've got Heather Locklear. Get her out of this movie. <laughs> Yes, right. ASAP. Hideous. Can we just put her behind like sheer curtains and just something to deflect off of the look of her because I'm about to throw up. Uh, But they can't get her out of there fast enough. No, she has two scenes. Yeah. One laying in a bed, which is we're halfway there. Yeah. (laughs) And the other is just like standing in the kitchen with some bad lines. Yeah. I will say that. That was kind of the thing. I'll tell you what I, I found myself thinking was that I I don't have like a lot of solid memory of Heather Locklear acting in, in much of anything. Right. So I kind of like, and I don't even mean this as a joke. Like I was kind of wondering, like, I'd like to see her act. Like right. I'd like to see what she could do. You know, she was pretty to look at. Um, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Lumbee Indian Locklear being a Tuscarora word for steadfast or hold tight. Um, so she comes from, um, the Lumbee tribe and Locklear is like Smith in, in Lumbee. So there's a few other famous Lumbees out there, but they only have state recognition. Eh, they deserve federal, but they're working on it. Wow. Um, but yeah, m- most people would not know that about her, but, um, she's, she's neat to look at. Like, <laughs> I, and I'm going to, I'm going to explain that. I mean, and I don't just mean like, she's pretty. I mean, like. There's something about her that was, especially for the time, really, really pretty, but it wasn't kind of like if you've ever watched a movie where they just like stick a model in there right. and like it just sticks out, like might be beautiful to look at, but it sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Like she was really pretty, but it's kind of like maybe she's just like that kid who has a really pretty mom. Right. You know, like she seemed still relatable and I, yeah, I would have loved to have seen more. Yeah. I kind of would have loved to have seen her death scene. 
because yeah, it because at least as another flashback or something. I don't know how they would do that because it's c- kind of from his perspective. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we just find her in a closet with her fingernails ripped out and a sock in her mouth yeah. or something, or maybe a washcloth. Yeah, something. But like, why, why would you shove it in somebody's? Oh, to keep her from screaming, I guess. Gag her with it. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I, see, they never really like go over what her powers are. She can read minds, I guess. She is. He is. He is the father, whose name is David Keith. In right. the movie, in the movie, oh. his name is Andy. Oh, right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, that just dawned on me. Um, oh. well, it's because I call you Andrew all the time. <laughs> That's uh, it's true. Hard to remember. But um, so yeah, Andy has the power of being able to push people with his thoughts to control their actions with his thoughts. She has some sort of. Um, what was it? She can sense things. Yeah, she's a little perceptive. Yeah. She can he- she can hear his thoughts. Right. Because, yeah, there's a flashback where they are, because they're part of like a test, like a government test of, hey, we're going to inject you with these chemicals and see what happens. They get superpowers. One guy, uh, his eyes explode or something. <laughs> or he rips like, them yeah, out. Like something. everyone else is going ape shit in yeah. this place. And they're just like, oh, our superpowers, we're in love. <laughs> right. It's very sweet. Um, and yeah. But she can even hear his thoughts in that moment. Like, yeah. Right away. It kicks in very And quickly. I think that while they might not come right out and say it, I think that maybe what's happening there is that the drugs stimulate what might be like a, a being predisposed to that power. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, but what's cool is, is that like we get some of that. I've talked about this before and I've never found a good way to articulate it. I always sound dumb when I'm saying it, but Stephen King has a really cool way of naming mysterious things with very like basic language. Like it's just the lot six experiment. Like that just sounds mysterious. Like that's the drug, right? Lot six. And then the, the corporation, the sort of secret government corporation that's doing this testing is called the shop. And it's such a weird, like, I mean, it almost sounds like a lame hokey name for like a secret covert government (laughs) agency, but it just makes it sound that much more sinister, yeah. you know, that it doesn't have some like official sounding name. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Would I have liked. I'm not saying that the movie needed to be any longer. I think they might have been able to shorten up some of the sections in the middle to maybe give us a little bit more of that lot six and shop stuff. Yeah. From a medical perspective. Yeah. Like it, that that would have been kind of interesting to me. Yeah. Because we don't see because when we do go to the shop. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, we only see them doing experiments with Charlie. Yeah. Experiments. Yeah, thank you. They're experiments. Ooh, yeah, you're, you're doing it just right. Experiment. Yeah. <laughs> the experiments uh, are working. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, you never see anyone else or what they're doing with them. Are no. there other people there? Well, it's a big-ass house. Is that facility just to catch those two? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a little overboard with yeah. the square footage there. Um, but, but yeah, I, uh, but wait a second though. Isn't the shop, isn't that part of the mist too? Um, oh, I don't know. might be. I think the shop is referenced in the mist as the people that are effing around with that, that barrier. Yeah. I think it is, which is cool. If it is, yeah. If it's not, you should be thinking. I wonder if there's some sort of Stephen King wiki that will tell me about the shop. Yeah. 
In the meantime, yes, you're right. We've got Heather Locklear. Um, and we also have, uh, let's face it. Yeah, you're it. right. The Arrowhead Project uh, from The Mist. Is, and they were sent to investigate the ship in the Tommy Knockers. And is is does it relate to the shop? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. See, that's neat. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so you want to talk about Deep Bench. Um, we're still just on our stars here. Drew Barrymore is in this movie. She is all of, I don't have the exact age. Six or seven when they're filming. Eight when it came out, but six or seven when they're filming. And she, I, I just try to think of an average six or seven-year-old. And while I was blessed with really well-behaved kids, um, I just can't imagine a six or seven-year-old having the like fortitude to go through the pain in the ass that it is to like film a movie. Yeah. Because a lot of it is is just setting lights and i mean it's it's redundant and it's tedious and then to come out and like nail those performances yeah she's great she's really good so good and it really i mean let's just face it makes the movie i mean there here i am talking about this deep bench of of actors yeah she makes that movie yeah and um, she has to i mean do you think this movie i i mean i guess stephen king was huge at the time but do you think this movie in particular was maybe made because they had a kid who could do it, it was like we actually have a kid who could handle this well Let's if you th- do it yeah i think you might be onto something because think about it like scripts are hanging around in production hell for for years on end until there's the the right reason to do it for for whatever reason yeah. either either a trend becomes popular where it's like oh yeah we got a ghost ship script somewhere in here or whatever <laughs> um but yeah it might have been et comes out she steals the hearts of the world even in that movie kind of even sort of outshining henry thomas who was also a real cute kid yeah um and gave a great performance but everybody Im- immediately fell in love with her so yeah it might have been enough to be like hey we've got a charlie here yeah and by the way she's really fucking young um which makes it even better yeah and um so yeah recognizable and she just kind of came in like came out of nowhere like no one knew who she was Oh, like came from a fa- just an obscure family <laughs> yeah, that no one had even just, heard of before. She grew up, had no ties to the movie industry at all. <laughs> right. Not generational ties. No, by any stretch. certainly yeah. not. Her grandfather was in like one of the cornerstones of holiday <laughs> movies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if it had been that, then okay. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Guys, get the Barrymore family Yay, has been in Lionel. pictures forever. John Lionel. <laughs> and all of the, at all, um, all the rest. Um, I got, that's another Latin thing I'm throwing out here. Oh, um, remember I, in, when we, uh, I went hard in the paint with in extremis, Yo. uh, how Stephen King yeah. writes his characters or that, uh, that this movie starts in medias res, which is in the middle of things or in the middle of the thing. Um, which is cool. We, we, you know, that is something to touch on. Like it's neat that this movie does start out not like the reboot does where you're kind of like, it starts with her as a baby. There's just too much to fucking get through. Right. This movie jumps right in Andy and Charlie on the run. They're running from somebody. You don't know what they're running away from. Assuming you haven't read the book and it's, it's just got some good, like urgent energy from the beginning. Yeah. The problem with that. 
problem with that is that you mentioned the TV movie feel. Yeah. And there, there's a lot of that in the beginning. Yeah. Hard ADR. Oh, yeah. Real bad. Real overly descriptive. That's who we're looking for. Yeah. He sees us. <laughs> right. Don't lose him in the crowd. Don't lose the girl that can shoot fire. <laughs> that's her. And that's her father. He's older than her. They look similar, but not exactly the same. Um, right. Yeah. Um, so, and by the way, speaking of the father, we have David Keith. And I've, I've got yeah. that now. I was, I was referencing another actor easily Keith confused. David. Yeah, Keith David. For a second, I was very excited when his name popped up. Then I'm like, wait, no, it's backwards. David Keith. Who's David Keith? Hey, I, you, I, you pick a character. He could have played anybody in this. I, I would have been happy with Keith David playing anybody. Oh, yeah. Um, he's awesome. Uh, but this oh, is David Keith. Keith David in Martin Sheen's role? Uh, that would have been interesting. Yeah. That would have been really interesting. All of it's better than Burt Lancaster, who I just today I was reading, who was the original choice for that. In fact, he was cast and they were like a week away from starting. And then he had some heart trouble and then uh, Martin Sheen uh, filled in. Yeah. Burt Lancaster, kind of a dick. Like there, w- I just read a story today. I don't know if it's so much him being a dick or uh, uh, Kirk Douglas being a pussy, but oh. somewhere in between the <laughs> two, somewhere in between. And, and he wasn't a pussy. But he was a little bit, a little bit slighter stature, five seven. Yeah, and they were at there was like some awards thing or whatever, like a lot of people there. And Burt Lancaster was just relentlessly ripping on Kirk Douglas in his height, uh-huh. and even so to the point where he was saying how Kirk Douglas had confided in him about how much it affected his confidence and that like, he never thought he could amount to anything because, you know, and then Bert just fucking uses that in a public venue. And literally Kirk Douglas was sitting in the front row and just face in his hands and just started openly weeping, crying. Wow. Yeah. What a fucking prick. Yeah. Burt Lancaster. He's probably crying thinking about how much more money he had than Burt Lancaster. <laughs> right. I'm Spartacus. Yeah, he was bitch. like, oh my God, I can't believe I produced Spartacus and started the career of one of the greatest directors of all time. I'm so short. You're right, Burt. Yeah. Also, Kirk, look around. Not a lot of like height in Hollywood. <laughs> right. You know? Exactly. Um, but he was in good company that way. But yeah, so Burt Lancaster had to bow out tall as he was. Did you but... see Tough Guys, the movie they did together as old men? Oh, no, that's right. Where they get released from prison. I didn't. I remember. It was... I just remember the, I don't remember the movie at all. I just remember a line from the trailer that as a kid, I was like, that might be the, some of the funniest I've ever heard. <laughs> and it's just they're like, you know, getting released from prison. And one of them's just like, I want to try chicken mcnuggets like it was that was a new thing and they were like i'm like whoa right they wouldn't know what chicken mcnuggets are that's awesome and now it would be if they do the remake uh i want to try chicky nuggies (laughs) yeah yeah chicky tendies chicky tendies that's it yeah i want to try the hot dog from costco (laughs) I don't even know what Costco is. I barely know what a hot dog is. Um, But yeah, (laughs) what a a random example to choose of food. Um, But yeah, but it looks good in the moment. You've been in that store for fucking ever. That fucking hot dog sitting right there. $1.50 forever. I need it. it. Yeah. Um, 
I think I have. Have you ever had one? Hell yeah. Okay. They're awesome. Yeah. They're $1.50. Yeah. With a drink. Right. With a drink? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I have a membership. <laughs> you do? I, it's an executive membership, actually. Oh, well. Well, because I have hearing aids from there. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of, you know, I mean, they still ask for my ID when I walk through the door, but it's just a formality. Right. They barely look at it <laughs> when it's me. Um, <laughs> but... So Keith David, oh, God damn it. Ah, David, yeah. David Keith is in this movie and he rules. Tabitha King, since we're talking about shitty people, Stephen King's wife said that he had stupid eyes. And I'll tell you, <laughs> I'm not going to go too far into that because I think I know what she means. And that's bordering on really offensive because I think I know where she's going with that. Where do but, you think she's going with that? Well, I th- I, do you want me to say it? Uh, yeah. He has kind of like, like almond shaped eyes. Yeah. Like, I think that she's pointing a pointier to a, than others. Are. Yeah. And I think that she's pointing towards a condition that what a fucking bitch. If, if that is what she's saying, Ow. or maybe she's just saying that like, like his eyes are stupid. <laughs> like maybe it's that. I don't know. I hope it's yeah. that, but I think he's a really good looking guy. And he reminds me a lot of Patrick Swayze. God, I wish they would have done a movie together. Um, both Southern dudes, both have that kind of, of uh, vulnerable, but you know, masculine charm. And the, I think it's probably in the like uh, ranking of things that you need to make this movie work. You need a Charlie and just underneath that, you need a Charlie and Andy that, that work together. Yeah. You know, you've got to have that, that father daughter relationship. And I think they're great together. Um, I think they're both selling it. Like his reaction to her is, is super sincere. Yeah. You know, what's funny to think about dude is that like, okay, so how old were you when, when, um, well, gosh, you were, you've been a father for a while. Yeah. So, he was when I don't know if David Keith had any children or not, but he was only 30, which I guess isn't that young. But I mean, he's relating to her in very much the way that a father would. Yeah. You know, like I really feel a lot of of warmth from that relationship. Yeah. And I don't have any problem with him. I, I Frankly, I'm surprised that he didn't do more. I mean, he's he's done plenty. I mean, he's, he stays busy. But um, but he'll do shit like Jag or something. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, he's a guy where I look at him. I had forgotten he was in this movie. <clears throat> I thought it was someone else. Um, I thought it was the guy from uh, Clash of the Titans. Oh. Um, uh, Harry ha- Hamlin? Harry Hamlin, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, Both with a forward brow, yeah. <laughs> so when he popped up, I was like, oh, right. No, I know this guy. And then I looked up his filmography, and I was like, I don't think I've seen any other movie he's ever been in but there's like something about his face maybe older an older version of him that i know i've seen like a hundred times in something i didn't look at his tv work i know he's done a lot of tv work too so i wonder if it's something in there but yeah he's a guy who's pretty unique looking yeah you know stupid eyes and all (laughs) right better than butthole eyes (laughs) for what's his name what butthole eyes? Oh, um, the guy that uh, was dating Kim Kardashian, the comedian. Oh, Pete Davidson. Yeah, they yeah. kind of like brown around the. Yeah, it's okay. got butthole eyes. He yeah. does have butthole eyes. Yeah, <laughs> look at does. Pete Davidson's lips, America. Yeah, uh, Dave Chappelle said that <laughs> just in the middle of a Saturday Night Live sketch. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yes, but yeah, David uh, Keith. David Keith. Yeah. So yeah, I I don't know, but he he's very good in this. You know who should have all done a movie together? David Keith, Patrick Swayze, and uh, oh fuck, uh, Dennis Quaid. 
<laughs> Should have oh, all done a movie like Three Brothers. Yeah, you know, would have been great. That would have been good. Yeah. Um. But uh. But anyhow, he's excellent in this, and he sells everything, and he's got that great sort of Tennessee accent that he has, and it he's he's really great. I I love him in it. Drew Barrymore is fantastic. But then we've got this whole other list of actors, and I mean. We can blaze through some of this, but how the hell do you blaze through George C. Scott, for God's sake? Right. My favorite part of the movie. And one of my, honest to God, I I mean, I guess I don't talk about it that much, but really one of my favorite actors of all time. Yeah. That guy is is just, um, he's effortless. He's just, uh, we've talked about The Exorcist 3 so many times. We've covered it. Um, But just... There's something about him that I think it's probably the closest thing is that gravitas. Here we go with the Latin again. But um, (laughs) I think it's just that there's a certain weightedness to him. There's a certain like settledness that, you know, he doesn't seem fragile at all. Like this is just a guy that's very settled into himself, very sure of himself and the kind of dude that can utter the line like he did right before a love scene one time where he says uh, he's about to get in bed with his his co-star. And he just says, darling, I'm sorry if I do. And I'm sorry if I don't. <laughs> Basically saying, like, get hard. Right. Like, I apologize if I do, you know, <laughs> and I apologize if I don't. That's but, a sad man. <laughs> right. But, um. So anyhow, uh, what movie was that? I I don't know what it was. It's a famous quote of his. Okay, but um, a really great guy. Now we don't even have to dwell on this, uh, but I do want to say real quick, I found it to be a very, a very well handled portrayal of of a native. Um, They didn't really go into a lot of depth at all so much so that they don't even mention that he's native in it. I mean, there's allusions to it. He has a Pendleton coat on his hair is longer. His last name is Rainbird, So you can kind of connect dots of who the character was supposed to be, but I really don't have a problem with George C. Scott playing. No, there's no like just stereotype. Right. There's no like happy. Cause I was kind of like ready to come in and be like, Oh man, classic Hollywood. Yeah. Just whitewashing. But I was just like, Oh no, he's actually really good. Yeah. And, and yeah, he's great. And there's nothing about his character where he has to be like a native. Right. And the thing is, yeah, it's, it's just, it's something that I think that they just very gently, especially for the time, very, very professionally, put across there or just vaguely hint at without like trying to make it like he has mystical powers or some right. sort of bullshit. They didn't like darken his skin. Right. That would have been. Right. Yes. Like, I mean, it's, he, he just looks like George C. Scott yeah. basically. Um, and the thing is, Hey, natives come in all, all shapes and sizes. And I, I, again, I don't want to dwell on it. I, I kind of went off a little bit in the, in the last one about how I sort of question people's, um, intentions with what they feel is proper casting because i think some of it is is as is more insulting than what they're trying to say is insulting sure and by that i mean like lou diamond phillips everybody thinks like yeah it's fine for him to play a native when lou Lou diamond phillips looks the way he does because he's filipino yeah and he played richie valance right 
And and that's fine too. Yeah. Like that's okay because it's a work of fiction. And right. He's an actor and that's his job. Right. Um, so it's okay. And I just think that I think that people's hearts are in the right place when they get up in arms about, you know, people certain roles should should go to certain people. Yeah. Like but, mermaids. What's that? Like mermaids? <laughs> right, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Like the like the scientifically proven mermaid. <laughs> right. Uh, who are all of the same race, by yes. the way. Um, but yeah. I um I I just don't have a problem with an actor doing his job. Yeah, I just especially when it's someone like George C. Scott, especially when he does it as well as he does. Yeah. I just I'm just not gonna get upset about it. And maybe people would think that I you know, being of, of native descent would, would have a big issue with that or that that would be a big problem or like a real sticking point, but it's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> the guy's not, he's if not you going take a around. role like, uh, um, what's his name in uh, breakfast at Tiffany's. Yes. Like there's an instance where you're like, not a good choice. No, that is insulting. A little insensitive. I and I'll tell you, and I, I'm ashamed to admit it, but it was closing night of a show, and there was an Asian gentleman who had been performing in a role that is written for an Asian, uh-huh. and he was like an exchange student, and he he gone, like he just had to go back to wherever. And so they were like, we need somebody, oh, no. and I I was substituted. And um, I, I you whipped out your genealogy chart. You're like, as you can see right yeah, here, there I was have a, a trace a, back. Yeah, the, the land migration of I Pangea. Did find out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> which actually is true. Yeah. Natives are, you know, originally from Asia. But anyhow, yeah. so I did it and I did the full on Fawa Rawa Ra thing. I might have even thrown man. out a, like a sidekick or whatever, like real quick, um, which is kind of awesome. But and the thing was, yeah, but the. You know what? What's funny is that people laughed. Yeah, like it was a Christmas story. It was the the restaurant, oh. the Chinese restaurant. Okay, scene. and I did like I even said like the line was like table for four, and I'm like table for four. <laughs> like it was awful. It was awful. But it's closing night, man. <laughs> like oh, man. anything goes, you know. And I didn't mean it to be insulting. I just I think everybody. And I'm I'm really not trying to backtrack, but I think that everybody knows that that part. Was a little insulting all the way around, I guess, when the movie came out. But I don't know, man. It's like I have to believe that there's some universal conscience of when something is really hurtful and when it's just goofing around. You know, like there's plenty of portrayals of all kinds of races where they play on some stereotypes and we all kind of know it. And we all sort of because it's society, we just all kind of go with it. But you're right. You're very much right. When there is something as deeply as insulting as somebody just making a race look stupid or dumb or yeah. whatever, like that's shitty. And I, I will never support that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, again, fictitious stories, acting. Believe it or not, George C. Scott did not write the lines that he says. <laughs> Believe it or not, he does not want to kill a seven year old like he's acting. So I didn't have any problem with it. In fact, I loved his performance and it's great. Yeah. Who else? Speaking of killing a seven year old, his little (laughs) monologue about that. Oh yeah. is so good, which I did. um, For whatever reason, I was watching this at night and I just got, you know, a little tired and I like nodded off for like a second and I was watching this with Nancy and she's like, 
he's crazy. And I did that thing where you like wake up but act like you've <laughs> been awake. And I'm like, yeah, he is. And then I'm like, whoa, what did he say that was so crazy? Damn <laughs> right. it. Now I got to go back and listen to it. Yes. And God damn it is crazy. Because yeah. he's just very calmly talking about how essentially he's going to uh, break this girl's nose into her brain to steal her power and take it to the afterlife or the next world or whatever he whatever mysticism he believes in <laughs> and what's cool is that one of my favorite and i he's not an actor of tricks he's he's a really great actor but he does have this one thing that he does where occasionally and he i've seen this in a couple movies where he'll just kind of give what looks like a sort of insincere, insincere like closed mouth smile. Uh-huh. Like he'll look up at somebody uh-huh. and do that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and it, and he's like, and you're like, God, that fucker's crazy. Yeah, he <laughs> really is. But the thing is, he doesn't care. I mean, his character just doesn't care. No, like I know what he's I'm very get. confident in his work. And he knows that it looks different or looks strange to or sounds strange to other people. Yeah. And he just doesn't care because he's like, I'm going to be a God in the next life. So what do I give a shit? Yeah. Um, but he does a really, really great job with that. Um, then we have Martin Sheen, who, like we've talked about, is just subbing in and I don't know, kicking fucking ass. Yeah. Beautiful hair. Always. Yeah. That nice, just like it never went away. He's no, never it had didn't. different hair. It's always <laughs> no, been that true. haircut, but yeah. it looks great. He's a great head of hair. Yeah. God, you should see him in a movie called Badlands. He looks so similar to James Dean in that movie. And I think he wanted that. Yeah. But um, yeah, great, great actor. I mean, when has Martin Sheen ever turned in a bad performance? I mean, he's, he's great. Yeah. And you usually get like steely and intense from him in there from him and there is a moment where he first you know they're experimenting with charlie and you know she lights some stuff on fire and he is just like you never see him like this like jumping around like yeah yeah we did it we got it on film yeah no and he's awesome yeah and it's like Somebody make that guy like a middle school coach now, like make him a seventh grade basketball yeah. coach. And I will go to every fucking game because he is. Yeah, his his enthusiasm is infectious. Um, just real quick. And nobody has ever seen this movie. So uh, hopefully somebody runs out and watches it. There's a movie called Cadence that he's in with Charlie Sheen. And I think even Ramon Estevez. OK. Um, and it's just about like. When you get in trouble in the military, you get sort of kicked down to this specific like battalion or whatever. And the majority of it is made up of African-Americans. But Charlie Sheen gets kicked into it because he's kind of yeah, like, yeah, I can't um, remember that. Movie. Yeah, and it's really good. And yeah. his dad at Martin plays uh, the sort of like obsessed, weird um, drill sergeant that kind of descends into madness or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so kind of like his turn to play the the crazy army guy from Apocalypse Now. Just <laughs> right. Kinda, Flipping the uh, script there. But anyhow, yeah, he's he's great in it because he's got that enthusiasm. He's also kind of like sort of in a weird way, the straight guy. He's like, he's the business guy. Yeah, like, we got it. Something we got to get done here. Yeah, like I'm just working for the government, you know, and um, so but he's you know, he's hell bent on whatever Charlie's power is. Now, this is something that I think is really cool. The doctor uh, who is conducting the lot six experiments has a scene with uh rainbird and uh, martin sheen's character and he talk about chewing the scenery that guy gets everything he can get out of it oh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't even remember this part 
um, where they're in the office at the shop, and he's talking about the with the potential of Charlie's power. Oh, okay. okay. And what I think is really fascinating is that in the way he describes it, it almost sounds like, oh, geez, come on, that's silly. But when he ultimately ends up with saying, like, this seven-year-old is already setting people on fire, not shooting fire, right. just manifesting fire on them. Right. What do you think is going to happen when she hits puberty? Everything in this power apparently is tied to her pituitary gland. Yeah. Which is really that that's the gland that does like all the like the the, the sex stuff, all yeah. of the like the you're, you're adolescent. Yes. Yeah. So puberty, they call it. I think that's the word. Yeah. They're looking yeah. Let's for. go. Let's go with that. <laughs> sex stuff. The sex stuff. <laughs> yeah. You're getting the sex stuff. You know, your body's changing. You got sex stuff. Um, but uh, so they're worried that when she gets the sex stuff, she's going to split the world in half. And when she hits puberty, that she could literally, at that point, have the power to literally crack the earth into. Now, maybe he's just overstating it, yeah. but I don't think that he thinks that he is. Yeah. But Does he say crack the earth? I remember yes. a nuclear explosion. Yes. He said literally crack the earth into. Damn. Um, did you recognize that actor from Cuckoo's Nest? No. He was the one guy in Cuckoo's Nest who had like sort of the comb over and the glasses and he was like really neurotic. Okay. Um and like really fucking annoying. Yeah. Uh, but I mean great, like great in the role, right. but you know. Um speaking of which, we should give our condolences uh for an actress Oh, for killing another actor? Yes, yeah, sorry everybody. Sorry. Oh yeah, that's right. Cuz uh there is an older couple in this movie. First, first off, the old guy, Art Carney. If you don't recognize him, he was Ed Norton in The Honeymooners. He yeah. was a lot thinner back then. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's old man now. Uh, still a good actor. I, li- I liked him in this. Uh, and then, you know, there was we did um, Altered States. And, uh, like, the day we released that episode, William Hurt died. Yeah, sorry. So that was, we were like, wow, what are the odds of that? And then uh, the day we announced we were doing this uh, movie, uh, co-star Louise Fletcher, Academy Award winner from Cuckoo's Nest, uh, died. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think it's our fault, but I'm starting to get worried. If anybody has any actors that they would like to see get killed, just yeah, please I'm, email us at... Uh, I think we should do... All of Miles Teller's movies. <laughs> oh, but uh, I won't let you. Can't have Matt Dillon. You can't have him. I won't let you. I don't. I don't want to watch his movies. I don't care if he lives or not. Oh, okay. But Miles, I just you, wouldn't yeah. watch those movies. Right. I mean, yeah. Like Miles Teller, as much as I don't like him, is in good movies. Okay, we'll 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 kind of put the threshold here out of just sheer kindness. If you know of any actors that are kind of already sort of circling the drain, like they're north of 85 years old, it's probably <laughs> yeah. for the best. You've got them in a Deadpool. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just let us know. We'll like nothing ever happened, as they say. Um, we'll take care of it. Um, so, hey, uh, let's talk a little bit about what this movie is uh, sort of all about. Um, fire. Yeah. And the effects. Um, did you like the fire effects in this movie? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, they were good. They're all practical, obviously. No computer effects yet. Like, computer effects would have looked terrible. Oh, my God. They would have. Uh, and they just do fire the, effects the do look bad. Oh, I bet. I bet they couldn't wait to not 
pay a pyrotechnician. Right. And, and really, like, shame, shame and eternal shame, as Shakespeare said, on the, uh, the folks who did do the effects for the reboot, because it's like you've had 40 years to outdo this movie that had nothing but gas lines underground and fireballs <laughs> right. on wires, which blew my mind, by the way. You, you figured that out just yeah, from watching Tim, it. Yeah, Tim, you stopped by uh, the first time we recorded this and we were talking beforehand. And you were like, I was talking, we were talking about that end set piece and how cool it was. I'm like, you know, she's just like launching fireballs at people. And you're like, actually, I found out how they did that. And I was like, like wires. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's how <laughs> interesting. I was thinking literally that they had a line drive catapult, like catapult. Well, what are they called? Catapult. Cat, uh, catapult. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You don't get to critique how I say words Cat- anymore. Catapult. <laughs> I'm sorry, they had a line drive catapult. Catapult. Yeah. <laughs> catapult. <laughs> um, just shooting balls across the sky. And, um, but no, they were really cool. They are fireballs, whether they're on wires or catapults. But um, is it really catapult? Yeah. That barely sounds like a word. <laughs> Catapult's got some some legs to it. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> but anyhow, these balls of fire are look awesome because they are real. I mean, regardless of how they're getting there, yeah. like it's a big fucking ball of fire. You have a lot of uh, big puffy fireproof suits like as people are engulfed in yeah, flames. I get. Yeah. There's one that looks really good. The guy. uh who was in night school. I knew I'd remember. Uh, he, he gets burnt up at the farmhouse, but that's like a pretty close shot. And it's kind of like a low angle on him. It just looks good. It's before he's totally engulfed. So maybe they didn't need the full, a lot of guys, you know, when they're fully engulfed, they have to protect their faces too. So they've got like these like fucking pumpkin heads. Right. Uh, but it's still, I mean, it looks good because they're running around totally on fire. Yeah, no, you're right. Like when when um, when that one guy from night school, when he first catches, it's his arm, right? So it's kind of like his arm is bent in sort of an L shape and it's uh, up his forearm and creeping past his elbow to the point where like, and again, real fire, that shit's real close to his face. Yeah. And you I mean, you can see the panic and it's like, that guy's not acting. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, so that's really cool. There's a lot of fire that sort of creeps up through the ground, almost as if the fire is chasing the people before it gets to them. Yeah. Very cool. There are some things that do defy what little I know of physics, Uh huh. but man, it's fun to watch. When you see a guy get hit from a line drive fireball, but it sends him diagonally up. I'm going to say 40 feet. Oh, yeah. And um, like he's just got like it's like the fireball just like coincided with this. What do they call that? The um, what is it? The Catholics believe in when like it's the end of the world and you just get like pulled up into oh, heaven. the rapture. Yeah. Like he got raptured the second that he got hit with a fireball. <laughs> like I was like, he's mine. Like uh, and just. <laughs> Him up into the tree um but man is it it's crazy but it's it's fun to watch yeah and here's the thing i think this is important and I, I told myself i wouldn't say that i wouldn't reference the the other show but 
I think we mentioned something that's from a performance standpoint as actors that I think is really, really important to this movie. And that is Drew Barrymore's expressions while these things are going on. Oh, yeah. That she's not doing that like, I mean, I know how I would have done it when I was a seven-year-old. Just like, like, yeah, crinkle my face. Yeah. Or or a crazy look. Yeah. Like like wide-eyed. Right. Uh, but no, she looks almost like on autopilot. Yeah. But not dead, like not dead in the eyes. Yeah. Kind of like when you knows what she's doing. Yeah. Uh, and she, it's like she had planned on this sort of like, this is a bad example, but sort of like, like when you're doing something like decorating a Christmas tree where you just sort of like get into that, like dead zone, like you're just sort of putting stuff (laughs) up, but just kind of seeing like. Like using your peripheral, so you're not really looking at anything, but you're sort of looking at everything. Right. Like she has that sort of like it's a focus, but it's not. Um, it's sort of a relaxed focus, if there is such a thing. Yeah. Um, and it and it's very cool. And she just kind of she gets a little bit of aspiration, like she's breathing a little bit heavy. Um, it's just cool. And the thing is, like, God damn, what a tall order to say is this movie going to look ridiculous? We got a seven-year-old shooting fire. Like, is this just going to look dumb? Right. But it doesn't. Not at all. Um, And yeah, okay. I'm going to be honest. I know I have a tendency to go off on love fests. Are there some cute times where her very young age kind of shows through a little bit. Yes, but it only makes it that much cuter. Like times where she gets like a little frustrated. Oh, yeah. Now there are times. A lot of of scenes with Rainbird. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which are good scenes. Um, like, that's where I'm like, because he's already been established as, you know, we've already seen him kill a guy in his sleep by karate chopping his face, right? <laughs> um, and you know he's just malicious and up to no good and will kill whomever. You know, he's just like a guy who kills. He doesn't give a shit. Doesn't give a shit. Uh, but how easily he is able to relate to her and like get her guard down. Like I believed it all. I, it it didn't feel forced. I wasn't like they're you know, they've barely even talked like, uh, when the lights go out and he's, you know, saying that he's scared and he needs her like fucking, that was good. Oh yeah. Good stuff. That's the thing about George C. Scott. One of my favorite lines in, Exorcist three is that when he's talking with a woman that's in a, a mentally disturbed ward or whatever, and she's kind of in and out of consciousness or consciousness or, or reality. She at one point kind of becomes sort of lucid and knows what she's, what she's doing. And she looks at him and she says, you have a very kind face. And that's the thing about him. Like he is as kind as you can look while still looking like somebody that would karate chop a seven year old's <laughs> nose right. and shattered into her brain. Yeah. But I mean he's he walks that line. Um but he is like really convincing and almost to the point where and I think this is even I haven't read the book, but I think this is even more um uh, dwelt upon in the book is that that relationship becomes very serious. Yeah. You know, that that you you can almost be tricked that he really is feeling something for her. For, yeah. But he well, cause you're not really even sure what his intentions are. I mean, it, there, it, there is a creepy element to it. Cause they're like, well, 
you know, we finally caught her, blah, blah, blah. We're going to, you know, we have tests we're going to do. And he's like, let me have her when you're done with her, which right. sounds in 2022 <laughs> vernacular yeah. like he's running for Congress or something. <laughs> Am I right, Tim? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> bring her down to my the basement of my pizza place and eat her endocrine <laughs> gland. <laughs> You know, I've heard about chewing on human adrenal glands before. That I would try. Uh, I, I, you don't have to bother with the pizza. Just give it to me. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. But, um, but no, yeah, you're you're right. And the thing is, what's really funny about it is creepiness is that Martin Sheen, like at least twice, if not three times asks him why he wants her, but like doesn't even really want to hear it. Like he'll right. ask and then George C. Scott will kind of start to explain, but then it just like dissolves into some other conversation. <laughs> like I didn't really want the answer to yeah. that question, but eventually he does. He gives the full answer that he wants to look into her eye at the moment of her purest happiness and kill her by striking her across the bridge of the nose, therefore shattering her nose bone into her brain and then he will absorb her power, know her power, so that in the next life he can have that power. Yeah. If only it were that easy. A lot of assumptions in that. A, that he will bring her to the happiest point. And, sure. And B, that he'd be able to take her power and see that there is some sort of afterlife. Yeah, it's uh, built on your motivation here. Taking a lot on faith. <laughs> right. <laughs> but... But he believes it, and um, and and I guess what's really cool is that we've seen him chop a guy in the nose. Yeah, like he's he's not above doing it. Like it's not all talk. Like yeah, he'll he'll do it. Um, he'll also one of my he favorite like scenes. didn't wait for that. Like he wait he waited for that guy to wake up. That's the kind yeah. of guy he is. He, right. He's not just gonna. He could sneak into your room. But he's not gonna do you the service of killing you in your sleep. No, he's gonna wait till you know it was him. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, I mean, I wouldn't put it past him just to like even like maybe dip your hand in a little warm water so that you pee your <laughs> pants and humiliate yourself, right? And then get your nose into your brain. <laughs> um, but the, my one of the, my favorite kills in this, and it's a funny thing to say about this movie because you don't think about dudes that are running around completely engulfed in flames as dying in a horror movie right. because they haven't had their throat slit, but they're very much dying. Yeah. Um, little child murders a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but my favorite one is when uh, Rainbird uh, George C. Scott is trying to intercept some letters that Charlie and her dad have written to various large publications to try and expose what the shop has been up to so they can finally stop running and live a normal life. And they know because they have these, you know, informants that are planted around the town that these letters were sent. So he, you know, pretends to have a, a broken down car mail truck pulls over to try and help. And the thing is, if you're going to sort of fake your way into killing somebody, you're going to like give them a bit like, oh, my car broke down or my arm's broken or whatever it may be, that when you start killing them, you can just stop. Right. But he goes up behind him and he's like, oh, yeah, the car broke down. Uh, we're having a little car trouble. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate you stopping. <laughs> but the thing is, the 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 belt was around his neck on really, so he gets another three four words out there. They really appreciate you, sir. It you is. know it's the kindness of strangers that I rely on to get the things I need to get done. <laughs> 
Hopefully, touch me at her moment of pure happiness, and then I will strike her. Yeah. Can okay. you recommend somewhere to eat after this? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Perfectly. Perfectly done. Yeah. That way. <laughs> yeah. Right. Maybe just a simple place like the Burger BLT. <laughs> um. But. <laughs> yeah. That that would be I would watch that whole movie, um, but he is awesome, and uh, the whole cast is awesome. The whole movie is awesome if it's watched in the way that I think that it should be, which is not that you're going to see some like I don't know. It's it's not The Exorcist. It's not some of the best horror that you've ever seen. But it's I think it's interesting. Yeah. We've talked about a little bit of a lull in the middle there, but but it's yeah, well, it is a weird because yeah, we open up the uh, uh, mise en place. What what is it? <laughs> Media res. Yes, um, uh, and it's kind of exciting. They're on the run. We get a few quick flashbacks. We've, now we've got a great idea of who everyone is, uh, and then like within you know twenty five minutes, they're caught and then split up, and now we're just sitting in rooms for a lot of the time. Until yeah. our end set piece. So it is kind of, yeah, there's a bit of a lull. A little bit. It might now, make you fall asleep for a minute. But it, and, but if you did want to be lulled into a nice state of relaxation, we've got music by Tangerine Dream. That's right. Yeah, Tangerine Dream, who, uh, I mean, might not be a household name. I I know of them. I think a lot of people. <laughs> right. They're probably not as obscure as I'm making it out to be. But a lot of that really cool, more melodic synth um, we're all not really the, like in the vein of like a Terminator with like a pulsing synth, but more of like a um, sort of weird atmospheric ambling kind of um, just uh, it's hypnotic, but it's pleasant and but it's engaging. Um, just look up anything by Tangerine. Yeah. They did the music for Legend. Yep. Um, they See, I did- can really appreciate like something like Tangerine Dream. That's able to use the synthesizer in a pleasant way. I think one of the things I hate and why I don't like like music from the 80s uh, is because of the synthesizer, because everyone had to try it. Yeah. So we got a lot of like electric drum, like drum machine drums, yeah. which is awful. Okay, I'll go with you. Um, you know, and then you have a new artist. Who had some maybe ideas uh, like like flock of seagulls and stuff like that? You know they had a lot of synth, but then you have guys like I fucking love flock of seagulls. Sure, I'm sure you do. Uh, but then you have guys like Frank Zappa, like very established, amazing songwriters who then start their synth journey and it's fucking garbage. Like it's, it's awful. Yeah, like they don't know what to do with it. Right, because it sounds so. It, it's a weird instrument because it's. So versatile, and yet I think it sounds so the same. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. No, I mean, there's... Like the whole point of it is to create nearly any sound you want. Yeah, you're just like, okay, synthesizer. Well, I see what you're saying, because I think that it's like, like... It's like CGI, CGI. That's how I would say that... That's my opinion on the synthesizer in music. It's like CGI in movies now. Like, there's no, there's no mystery or creativity behind it. You just do it on the synthesizer. Yeah. That, no, that's that's fair. I, I think I think that what what you might be, you know, what where you're getting at with that is that 
uh, the stuff that Tangerine Dream was doing had the sort of layered complexity of what a full song, even with lyrics, might have. Right. But that, you know, there were folks out there that were just like hitting these like five note themes, like progressions, and then just repeating that over and over and over. Yeah. Which, I mean, there, there's a, a place for minimalism, but I think that if it's just being treated as like, ooh, listen to this neat effect versus what Tangerine Dream w- was doing with it, which was really fleshing out. The, the possibilities that synth had. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there's this really great score to it. Um, and uh, the movie progresses well. It's not an overly complicated. Um, they don't do. There's very, very little stylization. That's what I want to say in this. There's very, very little, if not completely uh, none ideas of, of handling a scene in a way where it's like, they don't use a lot of effects to embellish what's happening. They don't try to like, okay, I'm going to give you like the, the worst, but best example in suicide squad. When what's her face is like killing the people in the flowers. Are right. Off around, yeah. Okay. Like that's stylization. Yeah. Right? And I love it to death in yeah. that, in that scenario. I love it, but like, they don't do anything to like, there's some nice framing. Don't get me wrong. When they do these like kind of zooms on uh, on Drew when her hair is blowing and she's in some of the experiments, like that's awesome stuff uh, to the point of being pretty iconic. Yeah. But they don't like put it like, on the cover. Well, yeah. <laughs> and they don't, but they don't like layer a lot of shots. They don't like dress it up and make it too fantasy style. But I like that because that takes some of the like, I don't know the, like the balls away from it. Like what's cool is that this little girl is shooting fire in the real world. We don't need it any fancier than that. Right. And that would only take away from it. Yeah. So it's handled in a really stripped down straight ahead way, which I enjoy. Um, where are we at for time? Uh, we, we, we could probably wrap it up pretty soon. Here. Okay. Um, but no, uh, just real quick, something I did not mention. This is kind of bonus for people listening to this episode. <laughs> Um, bonus for us, really. Right. Jennifer Connelly also auditioned for this role. Oh. Which I don't really know what Jennifer Connelly looked like at that age. Yeah. I'm going to try and not do yes. that. No. We, well, we know she. Because I know, we know how her I think from Jen- her... Jennifer Connelly looks now. Right. Or, or just like for the last 30 years. Right. She looked absolutely the same. That's why, no, they, put, really that's why they put her in Top Gun. Because if you've the, seen. Except you know what? I will say this. This is, you know, everybody pay attention because I think some people and God bless Jennifer Connelly can do whatever she wants to do. And I I have no problem with that. But if you notice in like career opportunities. Yeah. She was like a little thicker. Yeah. um, Than than what she is now. Yeah, you're right. And I'm thinking like you don't you didn't need to lose that. If you're if you're out there and you're like, I just need to lose 20 pounds. I need to lose 10 pounds to look better. Chances are probably you don't. Well, but the older you get, the looser you get. So maybe she's like, maybe I should tone this. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I'm just saying, don't be too hard. I mean, keep it up, Jennifer Connolly. Yeah. Whatever you're doing is fine. (laughs) Yeah. You are a vampire and you're not aging at all. So I won't go see your Miles Teller movie, but keep it up. (laughs) Did she do one? Yeah. Top Gun. Oh, oh, he's in that. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you not see it then? No, mm-hmm. I didn't like Top Gun. We've talked about this. Yeah, I yeah, nor have I. I mean, I I like. I mean, it. It, I like the first one. I didn't see this. One. As I, you know, as I've said before, every single person has said uh, the remake of this is absolute garbage. Nearly every single person has been like Top Gun, best movie of all time. 
Seriously. Like, oh, yeah. People love it. It's apparently very, very good. And uh, I'm sure I'll watch it someday at home. But Yeah. What don't you like about that guy? Uh, oh, about Miles Teller? Yeah. I don't know. I just don't like his acting that much. I don't know. I feel like he comes off a little cocky on screen. Yeah. Like, and maybe it's a little He's unearned. the whiplash guy, right? Yeah, he is the whiplash guy. Do you like him in that? Uh, I that's probably my favorite performance of his. Okay. Um, do you think that there are really musical directors that are that huge of dicks like yes, that? Yes, absolutely, Tim. Jesus. Uh, my middle school band director, not he wasn't <laughs> like that, but he was a dick. Really? And especially to me, a drummer. Does people people like to fucking pick on the percussionists, all right? Why do you think they do that? I don't know. All we have to do is learn rhythm. They think you're common? Yeah, probably. Like they just think you're like you're not fancy, you're just primitive. Well, and it's like, you know what? I mean, I'll say this from a band director's standpoint because the percussionists, everyone else is seated. The percussionists are standing in the back, so you see them very oh, okay. clearly. Uh, there's a lot of pieces of music where there is not a lot of percussion. Uh, so you're just like standing around bored and you get some fucking middle schoolers standing around bored and banned. Do you ever feel, do you ever get singled out in, in a situation where you felt humiliated? Like he was calling you out oh, personally. Tim. How much time do we get? All right. No, listen, <laughs> quick story on that. Uh, there was one day, uh, it was me and this other kid, uh, Jason and Jason had been fucking off that day. And our band director was like, one more strike and you're done, buddy. All right. And then whatever he did, he's like, all right, that's it. And I just went, out. <laughs> and he was like, you too, you're done. Go sit in that practice room until I come get you. And I was like, fuck. Okay. So I go sit in that practice room. I'm just like, I, cause I don't like pissing teachers off. Sure. Uh, I don't like getting reprimanded. So I'm just sitting in there, you know, People putting their instruments away at the end, like looking at me like, oh, you're going to be fucked. Uh, and then I just sat there and he never came. And I just sat there. Uh, I don't know how long it was. I mean, I, I know how long it was eventually because um, I, I was sitting in there and a janitor came in and he's like, what are you doing in here? And I'm like, I was told to sit in here until so he, you know, got me. Um, and so then I. He's like, why don't you just go to class? I think he's gone. And I was like, okay. And then I went down to my next class. I missed a full class. Oh, my God. So then I had to go. Then I got called up to the office again and be like, why weren't you in math? And I had to then relay this whole story to them. He's a fucking asshole. Jesus. What, did he just forget about you in there? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm glad he forgot about me because I got to skip a whole class. Oh yeah, that's and make cool. him look like an asshole, right? So. Exactly. What a prick! <sighs> yeah, but I mean, would he call people out for their playing specifically? Um, no, yeah, not like that. Not like uh, okay. No, he was just uh, not very uh, supportive or encouraging, as yeah. you would hope an educator would be. Well, especially in the arts, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, and I mean, I almost quit band, and I went in wow. to do whatever like little thing we had to do. Um, and I remember telling one of the other like assistant guys, I was like, "I think I'm going to drop out," and he's like, "Do not do that. You should not drop out of this." Wow. And so I stuck through it, and uh, was really good in band. So is that I'm guy glad. still alive? That the, middle school director? No. Okay. Well, fuck that guy. He, uh, all right. I'm not going to say anything more about him. Okay. 
I will. I don't know him. I don't give a I'll shit. I'll say more off guy. air. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> but anyhow, uh, <laughs> how'd we get on that? I well, all I know is that like uh, middle school band just got way fucking more intense for me. Yeah. Like I, I, I had no idea. Oh, we were talking about Miles Teller. Yeah. And right. Band directors. Yes. Yeah. Fire starter. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> Um, no, look, um, if you haven't seen this movie and you, I, I believe that you've heard of it, I don't know what it is, but I feel like everybody's heard of Firestarter. Yeah. I'm not going to question that. Um, and Drew Barrymore is having a really nice little renaissance for herself yeah. with her talk show, which good for her. She's one of the sweetest persons, people that ever walked the planet. And, um, yeah, so she, said she had friend of the show, Justin Long on, which yes. apparently that clip had been making the rounds. I didn't know that. It but has. Yeah. Yeah. They everybody's loving nice that. Weeping yeah. chat about their previous relationship yeah. and just being younger and now they're older and kind of looking back on it. And yeah, just a real, real sweetheart. Yeah. And, um, so Maybe if you haven't seen it and it's October and look, I'll tell you one thing that this is not necessarily uh, related to Firestarter, but I have been so excited by what I've heard from people that aren't even like normally horror people that have these little traditions with themselves when, especially when October comes around, some people it starts in September, but even your average person who's just kind of like a relatively, you know, passive horror fan, like when October comes around, they're like, I'm going to get into the spirit and I'm going to watch a different horror movie. Like, I don't know, maybe every day, but every weekend or something like yeah. that. And I, that just warms my heart. I mean, obviously <laughs> we're, if for anybody it's going to appeal to, it's going to be us. So I just think that's the coolest thing. And if you're running out of movies to, to watch <laughs> and you want something that isn't maybe like, maybe had a little too much blood and guts yeah. in the last one and you want a little palate cleanser, go with Firestar. Yeah. You're going to have fun you with want it. something no one liked when it came out but kind of has a good reputation now, watch The Thing. But if you've already seen yeah. that, you can watch this. Mm-hmm. That was a joke. They both kind of had that happen <laughs> right. to them. Right, yes. Uh, yeah, because people kind of like this movie now. I think I think the remake is really going to help the yes. popularity and like uh, historical value of this movie. Oh yeah, people yeah. are be like, no, no, it's fine. Like uh, compared to the new one, it's Citizen Kane. Oh right, absolutely. <laughs> and I think you know I, I'm not going to sit here and try and make it any more than it is, other than to say that it's really fun. It's cute. It's endearing. The effects are badass, and um, it's just kind of a neat. You, I, I mean. At the end of the day, Hollywood isn't really concerned with, unless it's a straight-ahead kids movie. Right. They're not overly concerned with, like, trying to, like, invest millions of dollars in a movie that has to be carried by a seven-year-old. Right. Unless Unless it's it's Home Alone and it is a kids movie. Or Harry Potter. Right. (laughs) Maybe they are. (laughs) Maybe maybe it's the exact opposite of what I just said. But Well, that was kind of a proven, like... How but, do you not make money on Harry Potter? Well, uh, or just maybe investing that many millions of dollars in a seven-year-old that kills people. Right. Um, I'll invest in that. It, right. I know that's, that's right I'll, up I'll your alley. I'll fund your movie. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, in, in the long run, this is is worth a watch. I uh, You know what? I don't even know if we said it last time around, but I certainly recommend this movie. We did say it. Okay. I said, yeah, I said I recommended it, but not, you know, it's more like a, if you just want to lay on the couch. Yes, that's right. There are a lot more things I would recommend before this, uh, but it's fine. Yeah. I mean, especially now the, the 
just the historical value of it with that cast is probably worth watching. Yeah. Because you're going to know a lot of people in this movie. If you're young and are watching an older movie, you'll still know everyone here. Oh, you got that face. You got to pee. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. Okay. Uh, okay, so yeah, two recommends. That's Firestarter from 1984. Uh, okay. I love that you know my pee face. <laughs> <laughs> You're like sitting back. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's great. Um, uh, yeah, check out our website, Slumber Podcast Massacre.com. Shoot us an email, slumberpodcast at gmail.com. Check out all our other ancillary things that we've got. The, I don't know. We can start a TikTok probably. We got the Twitch stream we don't do anything with. We got a YouTube channel with Could one video so on things. it. <laughs> Man, the list could literally go on and on and on. Okay, anyway. Uh, and also, a link it will be in the notes for this show. Come check out our live show. We're going to be part of the closing night festivities at Chicago Street Theater for their production of Misery. We will be doing a podcast covering the movie Misery before it starts. There's going to be all you know, great time for all. Um, uh, promo code SLUMBER to save 10% on the order. Tim, do you got anything else? Oh, uh, join us next week as our giant wet dripping fall king mini series continues and we do night uh from 2007 it's 1408 tim do you got anything else to say about firestarter other than 1408 creeps my ass out. oh yeah i can't wait for that one. i'm not really looking forward to watching that i mean that seriously like it is creepy but i was just i'm gonna say the same thing that i said last time because it bears repeating and that is that if nothing else, whether you think this movie is dated or it's just not, you know, maybe gory enough for you or whatever, the fact that you get to see a movie and maybe you could even show your your daughters or your sons a movie that has a young girl that has a lot of power that learns to stand up for herself in the face of adversity and those that would take advantage of her. Um, it's worth it for that. And there should be more movies like that. And, um, you know, I just think that it's, it's important that somebody that young kids see the, the power that they can have if they believe in themselves. Wow. That's a good point. I would like to say that if Charlie ever grew up to be a super villain, I think, uh, she would be your arch enemy because you seem to have an endless supply of urine that you could put all her <laughs> fires out with. Yes. All right, Tim, go to the bathroom. I Bye. Will. Bye. Bye.